spider game. Spins a web any size. Catch your seeds just like guys. Look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. The Super Friends. The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is the challenge of the Super Friends. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 111, The Ammo Dump. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, we are back for another Ammo Dump. Uh, figure we'll we'll sprinkle these in here and there whenever possible, or whenever someone doesn't do their homework. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, something in my throat. That was Not calling anyone out on anything. Weird timing, what? <laughs> so... Uh, so, yeah, it's nice. Whenever I don't do my homework for uh, a podcast we're supposed to record, we could always just you know drop a dump yeah, in there and exactly. So it's nice fallback. Watch it swirl around a bit. And... <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing I wanted to mention, just because it, it was mentioned uh, on the forums, uh, was someone had heard our episode, our last annual episode, uh-huh. and they said, uh, which that episode came out like almost a month almost to the day of the episode before it so there's been a lot of wide spanning time between our episodes oh wow yeah um so what wow. i uh so he said what the and it was uh grub who we've met in baltimore right. and everything and he said uh it just made him realize how much he misses the show coming out on a regular basis and so my 2014 resolution when it comes to the show is to make sure that there is as much as I can possibly control it, that there's not more than two weeks to two and a half weeks in between shows. Cool. So um, we do have an episode. Uh, as we're recording this, there is going to be an episode, uh, another Star Wars episode, uh, EU episode coming yeah. out uh, probably this weekend. And then this one will probably come out maybe a week after that. So um, whenever, again, whenever possible, we're going to we're going to try to make sure. And that means that if for some reason um, Robert can't record uh, and Chuck can't record and I feel like it's getting <laughs> to be too much time in between episodes, I'm just going to go on Facebook and say, hey, who wants to record an episode? Or yeah. I might just do an episode by myself. It might be a short one, uh, but I might cover I might do like a spotlight on one of those properties that are out there that Robert and Chuck neither one have a whole lot of experience with but that i know right. a lot about so yeah yeah no i think it's i think it's great i think we're we're all set up to be putting out quite a few shows you know um as long as we can get our schedules all together and i can make sure i uh, read or watch whatever needs to right. be read or watched <laughs> in time for the show but um yeah no i think um i'm, I'm really excited about it and and I'm, I'm gonna do everything i can to basically be ready for each one we've got um you know, the Star Wars, the G.I. Joe rewatch, and then your basic ammo dumps that we can kind of cycle through just between me and you or if we bring on another guest with us. And then, of course, um, 
whenever we can get you know Chuck's available and he can be on for a show. Um, if, I, I you know I'd I'd like to sit on one of those too, yeah. but um, it's a good chance for you and Chuck to kind of get back. To, it's kind of that classic Star Joe's yeah. feel, you know, and yeah. you guys catch up on the books and catch up with each other. So well, the plan- I think between those four. You know the main show and kind of the the couple other spinoffs. Like, yeah. Obviously, we we have enough content to cover. Absolutely, and and the plan is so far. And again, plans. You know, I, I love the quote that's out there that uh, man plans and God laughs. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the plan is that after this episode, the next episode will be a cartoon episode with Robert and me. Right. And then the episode after that should be our 2013 nominations episode, which will have should have. Chuck, Robert, and myself, all three yeah. of us on for that episode. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that'll be a blast. That'll be cool. So. All right. Well, uh, this is the ammo dump. So why don't we get into some comic talk here? Uh, Robert, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? All right. Uh, the first the first book I want to talk about was kind of um, thrown at me in a, in a strange way. Um, it's actually a book called uh, X for Dark Horse. Have you ever read the book or no. familiar with the character at all? No. It, did you say X or Axe? X, X. Just the letter X. Oh, okay. Um, it, it's an older character that started back in the 90s. Um, and I didn't read it then. I was kind of familiar with it. He's got a pretty cool costume. Oh, um, I have seen him. He's got, he's got that giant red X on his Yeah, face. it's a really dark costume. Yeah. Uh, it's He's kind of a full face mask, except one of his eyes is showing kind of like a Deathstroke. Um, and then there's a giant red X across his face. Um, and, and I didn't know much about his character, except that he didn't talk a lot. He does talk. It's not like a snake eyes or anything. Right. Just that he was very reserved that, and that he was like a brutal vigilante. Um, you know, kind of on the level of, say, Shadowhawk, if you're familiar with the old Image books, oh, yeah. or like yeah. a Punisher. It's like a mix between a Punisher and a Batman. Okay. But um, uh, but more towards the Punisher side. <laughs> you know, Batman, as far as the way he fights and jumps around, and he's got a cape and everything, but uh, just Punisher, he will, he will take a dude out, like, <laughs> brutally. So I didn't know um, much about the book. And then, actually, Dark Horse once uh, approached me and wants me to draw a couple issues of it. So um, I was like, well, I should probably find out what the character's about <laughs> and read the book. <laughs> um, so first I asked Mike Myers from uh, DC Noise if he had read it and what he thought. And he's like, yeah, I just read through that you know, a week ago. And he rated it really high. You know how he reads his books and rates them. Yeah. And uh, with Dark Horse, it was interesting. I tried to, um, you know, as soon as he told me, I was like, all right, well, I'll go try and get the books. And I was going to get them uh, – digitally just because so i could get them quickly and read through it right and you know dark horse doesn't have their books on comiXology no they do not (laughs) so you have to get them through the dark horse app which i tried to download but i have a first gen uh ipad okay and i you can't yeah you know it takes it takes an operating system that's higher than you know they'll ever develop for the first gen ipad that's because their their app is very cumbersome um yeah it's not very user-friendly I tried to give Dark Horse my money, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> or I just emailed the editor. You know, I was like, hey, I tried to buy your books, but I can't. So can you send me PDFs of them? <laughs> <laughs> so he sent me PDFs from you know the, the up to... Because this uh, Dark Horse kind of relaunched a bunch of their superhero titles. Right. Um, which is like Ghost and X. And then there's a few creator-owned. Captain Midnight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's another one. Um, 
and then like uh, Mike Norton had one, and there's a few other guys who did some creator-owned superhero books through them yeah. through this line. And so I, I read through it. So it's I read through issues one through ten, yeah, one through ten, and I'm going to be working on issues thirteen and fourteen. Nice. Um, so what what I what I realized was it's basically, and I'm actually very excited to draw it. Um, it's uh, this guy who. Um, you know they haven't gotten a lot into his uh, backstory. It's still quite a bit of a mystery, but he's he's just really um, came into this town, the city that he he uh, fights crime in, and he's just really cracking down on organized crime. And the entire, almost the entire police force is just corrupted and on the take with this you know, organized crime and mafia and everything. Okay. Um, and he just comes in and just, uh, I cringed at how. <laughs> <laughs> like ridiculously brutal this this book is so i was kind of like oh do i want to draw this but, uh the nice thing about drawing is um there, what i found was you can you can imply a lot without necessarily having to show oh yeah everything and so for me that's that's going to be my goal is to not necessarily tone down the violence but you know how can you indicate violence without having somebody like punch their you know their hand through somebody's face right. like or eyeballs flying out at you, you know, on, that kind of stuff I, well, you know that's that that floats some people's boat, but not. <laughs> no, I would I would say I'm a big fan of the it, what you don't see can play yeah. can be even more impactful. Um, sometimes the best like horror movies, uh, and I know you're not big on horror, but some of the big <laughs> best horror movies are the ones where they don't show you what happened, and your imagination is left up to you. Um, Right. A great example to me has always been, uh, and I do consider this a sci-fi and a horror movie, is the first Alien movie. Yeah. Where you don't really see the Alien very much, uh, only glimpses here and there, and it's pretty much left up to your imagination as far as what happens in those scenes and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and in this one, um, so that's going to kind of be my goal approaching it, but uh, as I was reading through this and kind of as I was trying to decide if I wanted to take on the job, um, one dark horse is a really good company to work for. So I was excited to do stuff with them. Um, uh, and, and I was really excited about the character getting back to a snake eyes like book where you have a single character with kind of a martial arts action yep. theme. Um, and, uh, and the way he moves is, you know, he fights with a sword or, or two swords, but also, you know, like guns and, uh, grenades and, you know, ammo, that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, he, the character himself, he does have a uh, um, a slight healing factor. You know, not obviously to the extent of say Wolverine or something, but more than a regular human. Okay. And I think he is kind of an engineered soldier to that extent, and um, has since fallen off the grid. Nobody knows who he is or where he came from, but he has a vendetta against uh, the organized crime, specifically of this city. And you're, and we're still kind of getting information from his backstory about it. Okay. Um, the, the other thing I found very interesting was a lot of the supporting cast. Um, there's this journalist that's trying to, you know, is like blogging and trying to find out about him and break a story about who he is. Uh-huh. And he ends up using her as an ally. There's, uh, like I said, the whole police force is corrupt, but there are, if there is a squad that is sent out to kill him that he, uh, evades, but eventually, um, kind of makes contact with and shows this squad that the rest of the police force is corrupt. And so therefore they kind of start working with him basically just, but not using his methods. Okay. And then there's this, this really cool, just recently as of issue nine introduced into the story, this guy who's like a contract killer 
Um, he's just this really big black dude. He's just really intimidating. And the, the book starts where he just walks this old man out to the edge of a pier and, he, and the guy's like kind of begging him and he's like, um, you know, he doesn't really say much to him. He just, he says he's got, he's got a job to do. Shoots, shoots the older guy in the back of the head, just takes him out. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, snap. That's the first page. And then, um, and the guy's trying to explain, he's like, no, no, he's like, you don't understand, it's me. And, and he's like, he's like, whatever, and he shoots him. But then he finds out uh, after the fact that the guy he just shot was uh, kind of his mentor. Like, he was an orphan as a kid. Oh. And there was one guy who took in a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. And, I mean, this is like 20 years later. And I, I think he didn't really recognize or know that that was the same guy until he finds... Uh, it was like either a picture or, or a, you know, photograph in his wallet or something. Right. And he sees it and he's like, so all of a sudden we, we have this guy who just, the only thing he had in his life was this one guy when he was a little kid who showed him some compassion, but the rest of his life was crap. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what made him this character. Uh, and then he just shot the one guy that was the one good thing in his life. So he, this, this character's name is Death Wish. Like he just, he, he wants to die but he can't you know it's just ingrained in him he can't commit suicide he just can't do it he can't pull the trigger he tries but he can't do it okay so he's like all right i'm going to get x to kill me so he's going to be like try to he commit suicide but through this through vigilante else, character right. so he's on a rampage just trying to do a crime bad enough to warrant x's attention to kill him um but he just can't like he keeps trying and keeps failing and X like recognizes what he's trying to do. So it's just, it was a really interesting motivation. And a, I mean, these are all just the auxiliary characters yeah. that I really like. So that's enough on that book, but um, it's really cool. And cool. I'm, I'm going to be working on the next few issues. So I'm kind of excited about it. No, I, and I can see what you're talking about with, as far as the, the Batman and the Punisher vibe, because you know, Batman had to deal with the corrupt police force and yeah. mafia and all that type of stuff. And, and working in the shadows and stuff like that. But uh, obviously Punisher is the one that's like, I'm going to kill you. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's an intense book. It's definitely a, kind of a more adult themed. There's no language in it, bad language in it, but uh, the violence can get like blood spray over the top all over the place. But cool. Um, anyway, it's good. Well, um, kind of keeping with the Dark Horse theme there uh, in, a, in a weird tangent way. Um, to prepare for the new Tomb Raider comic that's coming out from Dark Horse. Oh. Um, I actually, uh, am, have been trying to obtain the old Tomb Raider from Top Cow. Yeah. Um, so I was able to actually obtain, uh, through a very generous person, uh, issues zero, one half, and then one through 18. Um, okay. I had mentioned just in separate issues. Yeah, all separate issues. Uh, I had uh, mentioned uh, on the on Facebook that I was looking for uh, to read Galactic because I used to have almost the full the full run is issues zero through fifty, and right. then they do uh, the these this journey one. It's Tomb Raider Journeys or something like that, and that goes yeah. for twelve issues. Um, so I had almost all of those, and I sold them one day. A long time ago, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, here is Gail Simone going to be coming out and doing Tomb Raider again, and I was like, "Wow, cool. I really miss those old issues because I thought they were yeah. pretty good." They were good, yeah, yeah. Because to me, it was like Indiana Jones was the archaeology or archaeologist adventurer of the '80s. 
Tomb Raider to me was that archaeology uh, adventure of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you almost have uh, Drake from the uh, Uncharted. Uncharted, yeah. He's kind of like the contemporary version of both those characters. So, right. Um, so I always liked uh, Laura Croft for that reason. So I, I haven't read all of them yet. I've only read issue zero so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but and is that that's Andy Park on the art back then? Uh, this particular issue was Brian Ching. Oh, okay. He did a lot of Star Wars stuff. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's beautiful artwork. Um, uh-huh. I really like the issue because it's a, a self-contained story. Um, so issue zero is completely self-contained. Uh, Laura Croft's looking to just t- take a break, basically, uh, from adventuring. Mm-hmm. And she goes to this bed and breakfast, and she, of course she gets wrapped up into this whole spiritual mystery type thing um, that she didn't want to be involved with, but she was. Um, the, the only thing I, I could say that I didn't like about, about it was the fact that a zero issue to me is introduced, is supposed to introduce a character and maybe give you some origin or background of the character. And this kind of assumes that you already know who Laura Croft is and what she does. Yeah. So it's just like a quick side adventure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now the thing I really loved at the very end of the story is remember how I said it's, uh, Laura Croft was like the nineties version of Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. Um, and the very last she's like, uh, reminiscing back on her, on her, um, her adventure she just had. And she goes, uh, the worst part of living my kind of life is not the jet lag. It's the occasional food poisoning or the changing altitude. It's spending three nights in the little quiet spots like Colvick and never getting a moment to enjoy them. She goes, ah, oh, well, someone has to do it after all. If not me, it'd probably be that seemingly ageless American with the slouch brim fedora and bullwhip I met in Cairo last year. She goes, nice man, good kisser, but he'll never get, <laughs> she goes, but he'll never get far with that fear of snakes. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. so obviously it's a nod to Indiana Jones without saying his name directly. Um, but I loved that little touch at the end of it. Um, and like I said, it, it was a really cool issue to read. I, I, I'm, excited it, it made me realize that i was not wrong in in remembering that i enjoyed this series uh yeah. when i had the issues before and why i got rid of them i don't know but <laughs> yeah i know and the art's pretty consistent i mean yeah. that's always what i'm looking at you know oh, yeah. i mean i enjoy the story too but um a good friend of mine the guy in my studio randy green he did quite a few of those issues and yeah um i remember always enjoying his run on that andy park too is really good yeah. who went on to do all the concept work for the God of War yes. video game series, yes. which is really interesting how his style changed for that. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's really solid work all throughout. Yeah. Well, and especially a story like this, um, I mean, if, you, if you're having a lot of talking heads, you know, in, in the book, then you don't yeah. really, you know, then the artist, you know, like I know some people don't like Antonio Fuso's art. I really like it, um, but mm-hmm. I can. But at the same time, even if you didn't like his art, I feel like you could still enjoy Cobra Files because there is just a lot of characters standing there talking. There's in that particular book because it's an espionage book and stuff like that. There's a lot more standing around talking about what's going to happen and everything else. Whereas mm-hmm. a book like this um, with Trader, there's so much action and adventure going on that you want to have a good artist on it. Um, and somebody that's going to be be able to do the fluid motions and the and everything else uh, that helps tell the story. So yeah, they they got a really good artist at least on this first issue. And like you said, I remember it being very consistently good throughout the series. So 
Yeah. And I'm looking forward to what Gail Simone does with with it. And I can't remember who the artist is going to be on that one, but um, I know like the various covers have had me excited of like what what could possibly be happening with that title. So yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye out for that. I always enjoyed I enjoyed that run. I remember I got a huge compendium ah. of which was like a paperback, yeah. uh, and it had at least thirty, maybe. I mean, it was like ridiculously fat, like. And uh, it's a book that was probably too big. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like one of those paperbacks that's too big for its own good. And so uh, the spine cracked and yeah. pages started falling out. And I ended up just throwing it away. Yeah, Top Cow's known um, for that. They do that. Yeah, so. They do that with Witchblade and Darkness also. I have the hardcover compendium of Darkness. Yeah. And even the hardcover, I'm afraid to open it too much. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. I'd rather just get like a nice. You know how they do like the oversized trades where there's 12 issues yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You know, just put out four or five of those. Yep. You're like 10 issues each. Put out five issues and you got the whole run yeah. in. You know, well, that's but, like um, uh, Spawn. I got the first two hard covers of that, and it's yeah. like 12 to 13 issues in each one of them, and it's like I think in DC Guess it was like 20 bucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a really good deal. I mean, how that. do you beat 20 dollars for a hardcover that has 12 to 13 issues in it? So that's what they're doing on the. Um, for Valiant to the new books like Exo oh, yeah. Man of War yeah. and Harbinger's out. Um, and when Bloodshot comes out, I'll definitely get that one. Yeah, I have, uh, I had Exo Man of War. I still need to get the Harbinger one, but I have the Bloodshot and the Archer and Armstrong one on order. So cool. Yeah. So those are, that's a good format. Yep. All right. Uh, what do you got next? Okay. Uh, I want to talk about more X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> if people didn't get enough last time around, I did. Um, <laughs> no, I, it's, it's, crazy because i haven't uh been as into x-men as i am right now in quite a while um and i'm not it's not even the you know uncanny or the other kind of regular books i have been following wolverine and the x-men through trade okay that's and that's been very consistent and uh i've been you know i've got like the first two trades of the when uncanny um relaunched with uh kieran gillen and the the more recent one with uh Whatever Chris Bachalo is working on right yeah, now. Yeah. The Uncanny, so the, I will say, is a very good companion one to all new X-Men. Yeah. No, that's true. Because it's running pretty simultaneously and there's kind of – they supplement each other pretty yep, well. Yeah. Uh, the one I want to talk about this week was I had no idea uh, this was coming out until I was just kind of browsing the store you know, digitally and came across Amazing X-Men. Um, it's only on issue three right now. Uh, but for me, in X-Men, Cyclops is my first favorite character. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, me and you kind of have that affinity for the leaders yeah. of, of who, whatever property it is. Yeah. Um, I'm always about the the red and blue. And so I, I like Captain America. I like Optimus Prime. Yeah. I like Cyclops. Like yeah. <laughs> It's all down the, down the row. Uh, Leonardo with the blue. I mean, I'm all about it. Yeah. So anyway, but at, just after Cyclops, my next two favorite is Nightcrawler and Colossus. Okay. And uh, that's just kind of I don't I don't know why I just love the look of it I love kind of that old Chris Claremont John Byrne yeah. era and those uh, are the way those are probably my number three and number four my number two is Havoc um, because I've always loved the oh. the dual nature of Cyclops versus Havoc they're both leaders yeah. they're both um, and all that type and I like the sibling rivalry and stuff like that um, but yeah, yeah. Nightcrawler is my number three and then Colossus is my number four so yeah I mean they're just they're they're the complete like pathos of the entire x-men i mean they just they're the heart of the team whenever they're on it and so when 
Colossus died, you know, back in the what late nineties, early two thousands. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, initially, um, I was like, man, this sucks. I was just so <laughs> it was it was such a good death. Yeah. They, they re- it was one of the best deaths in comics that I can remember. Yeah. Where they really did their due diligence, like leading up to it. It meant something. Yeah. It was uh, they spent a, an issue or two afterwards, like eulogizing him. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I missed him, and that's why I start pick, picking up Ultimate X Men because that was the only place I could get a Colossus. Um, so that was all, that all happened at the same time. Then uh, Nightcrawler died, yeah. and of course, when Colossus came back, I was way excited. Yeah, but, that was uh, astonishing X Men that they yeah, brought with, uh, Colossus back. Yeah, and then uh, Nightcrawler died in uh, Second Coming. Yeah, which I was like, oh, dang it! You know, I just <laughs> just got just got Colossus back. Um, so. We, and we haven't, you know, we, we've seen glimpses of Nightcrawler through uh, Age of Apocalypse. Yes. Showing up, you know, Nightcrawler from Age of Apocalypse showing up in Uncanny X-Force. And it was always cool to see him again and see the character's reaction when they see him, like especially Wolverine and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously their friendship. So even though it's not like their universe's Nightcrawler, and he is quite a bit different because they've had different life experiences. Yeah. Uh, just Just to see those two together was always fun. But it never, you know, lasted long. Obviously, he takes off again or, or whatever. So it's just a glimpse in it. Now, all that leading up to Amazing X-Men starts off uh, the first issue we see Nightcrawler. I cover. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's uh, he is central to this, uh, at least this initial arc. Yeah. I think it's going to be just a way to bring Nightcrawler back, yep. the whole story. Yeah. Um, but he's he's like in heaven, right, just chilling out. Yep. Uh, heaven seems a little boring, um, but awesome. At the same time, oh, you know, yeah. like nice and peaceful and yeah. everything, but he's just kind of chilling out. But he's the swashbuckler, so he misses the adventure. And yeah, so. he's kind of sitting on the edge of heaven, you know, not really uh, accepting it, but just kind of looking over this edge, this cliff, kind of reminiscing about his days as an X Men and, and the adventures he had. Um, but I mean, just to see Nightcrawler in his classic costume, yeah. Um, and in that first issue, he you know kind of does some great kind of swashbuckling stuff, yeah. Uh, the second issue, like only three issues are out so far. Another cool addition is Firestar. Yes. As an addition to the X-Men team. I am so pumped about this. Well, and the thing is, that's another example. She might even be the first example of a cartoon character that gets introduced to the comics versus a comics character going into cartoons. Exactly. She was created for the Spider-Man and his amazing, amazing friends. friends. And which you get Iceman in this series also. And I'm like, all I need is Spidey <laughs> to show up. <laughs> I know they've got to do it and at some why, point. He's got to have some great yeah. cameo. And why has that comic not been made yet? I have no idea. It should have been made, uh, you know, twenty years ago. I would buy um, it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it and and you've got such great writers right now. I mean, yeah. and, and artists. I mean, it could be done phenomenally, and and it would just it would really sell. Yeah. I mean, just from the nostalgia of it. But also, I mean, there's a reason those characters work together. Oh yeah. Um, and just the way it, the way it's written. But so getting to see her uh, reconnect with Bobby. Is a lot of fun. That's a nice subplot. I love where they're like standing there talking to each other, like so, um. (laughs) (laughs) and they instantly have the hots for each other. Yeah. But of course, Bobby's been sleeping around like crazy. Yeah. Um, and so she's getting thrown in the middle of that. Bobby um, finds himself in hell, and he doesn't do so well in hell. (laughs) Uh, yeah, because he's made of ice. Right. (laughs) But oh, did you see it? What was? Yeah, it was at the end of issue. It was in issue two, towards the end. Now, see, this is one cool thing about uh, Iceman. He's he's another one of my favorites. Yeah. And I think he be- started becoming one of my favorites once he started exploring his powers. Yeah. And, and the writers would 
really show how powerful he could be. Oh yeah. And at least for a moment, he he freezes hell. Like yeah. He, hell freezes over because of Iceman, which is hilarious. Oh, it was awesome <laughs> the, the way they build it up, and he and you're like, holy crap, this guy is powerful. Um, and then uh, just kind of leading into the the last, um, the last issue is where um, a beast is another you know in, easily in my top ten. Yeah. Um, you know he's. He, I mean, he's up there. I just really, really like him. And the issue three, we really get to see him take on this whole pirate ship <laughs> full of um, demons, you know, led by Azazel, who's, yeah. you know, Nightcrawler's father. And, um, I mean, you get, you you can see that even though, you know, like in our recent uh, Battleground, you know, where we had Chewbacca versus yeah. Beast. Um, you know, Beast is intense. You know, just his agility, his strength, uh, on top of the fact of how intelligent he is. Mm-hmm. Um he he basically takes out the ship, but he gets he kind of gets left at the end of the issue like in, in a tight spot. He's stabbed in the back and drowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the way Azazel throws his uh, sword into you know a teleportation like he he bamps yeah and throws his sword into it and then teleports like it's almost like I I don't know if we've ever seen Nightcrawler do that where no. he he can teleport himself but like it looks like Azazel set up a teleportation kind of hole or portal or whatever, threw his sword into it, right. opened up the portal right behind Beast's back, and then the sword comes flying through it and, and it reminds, stabs him that in the back. That reminds me a bit of uh, the character Blink. Uh, she, yeah. she used to be able to do that, where she could create a portal to throw something in, and it would there would be a portal someplace else for the, the object to pass through. Um, right. She did that a lot of times in the Exile series. Um, so... So that that's kind of cool, and I, that'd be cool to see uh, Nightcrawler develop that power since that since Azazel is his father. Yeah, so it looks like it's it's you know you have room to kind of grow his 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 power and the potential, and I think too they were starting to Nightcrawler started to feel a little obsolete in the Second Coming yeah you know, era of books because you had characters like uh, Pixie and Magic we're who could teleport large amounts yep. of people anywhere in the world. Yep. You know, uh, whereas Nightcrawler could only basically line of sight teleport maybe one or two at the most yeah. other people with him. Yeah. Now, one theory I heard that I thought was kind of interesting, and I think I heard this on uh, Comic Geek Speak. Someone mentioned that they thought maybe how Nightcrawler comes back is maybe he was always able to come back since his father is a demon. Mm-hmm. And maybe when he died, he just really teleports to heaven and if he wants to come back, it's his choice to come back uh, because he's part human, you know, part human and part demon. Um, yeah. That it's you know, there, it's really his decision if he wants to come back or not. Yeah, I think in the writing it does come across a little bit, or at least suggest that that, that he ha- he ha- he does have the choice. Yeah. Like he could make that choice to come back. Yeah. But. So I found that interesting too. Yeah. So. so I mean, I'll wrap this up. I think uh, the art's fantastic. I think Jason Aaron's he he does a great job of capturing the characters, oh, yeah. and it's fun and exciting. It's it's everything I want my X Men to be. Oh yeah. I, I mean, seeing the characters back in classic costumes with classic character interaction. This to me, along with all new X Men and this, yeah, uh, amazing X Men to me. Uh, it's just like. Oh, I feel like it's back when I loved X-Men so much. Yeah, again. and that's the thing. I was getting all-new X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, and X-Factor, and I was like, I do not, and Wolverine in the X-Men, I was like, I do not want to buy another X-Men book. And then when I saw <laughs> who was writing it, who was drawing it, and what characters they were using, I was like, how do I not buy this? Exactly, you have to. <laughs> they suck you in. 
Elvis's 80s action sensation, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm here to tell you about the podcast I produce called Punisher Body Count. Join host Jacob and Dane as they give non-biased opinions of the current issues. I'm going to be real. I thought this comic was absolute shit. So let's uh, get into Man. it. Man, yeah, okay, let's get into it. Relive great moments from the Punisher's past. Yeah, why, that that was top ten, easy. <laughs> what about the time I was buried with a chicken because the spirit guy was sick? Why are you trying to erase history, Garth Innes? And podcasts with the utmost professionalism. Are we recording? Whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. Okay. Fuck, fuck, shitty, shitty, bang, bang. <laughs> nah, let's leave that one out. If you don't check out the show, it would be a big mistake. To find the show, go to www.punisherbodycount.wordpress.com. Or download the episodes from iTunes. Just search Punisher Body Count. So check them out. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Moss Man. Moss Man is green, so I can't be seen. Ha ha ha! He-Man, Moss Man, Skeletor, and Triclops figures, each sold separately. Look, He-Man's alone. It's two against one. Wrong, Bone Face. It's two against two. Moss Man fooled you. Yarg! Moss Man, new from the Masters of the Universe collection. Other action figures, each sold separately. From Mattel. So the only, uh, well, one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, and I don't know if you saw my posts on Facebook, because much like you were mentioning Mike Myers, I do a lot of reviews on our fan page. Um, mm-hmm. There's two comics that came out digitally recently that I did not know came out, and I was stoked when I saw they came out, and that was Knight Rider and Airwolf. Oh, yeah, Knight Rider. Uh, it's being published by uh, Lion Forge. Lion Forge, yes. Yeah. Now, the downside of it is that they are also not on Comixology. <laughs> oh, okay. You can only get it through uh, – there is there is an app to get it from, but I can't remember the name of the app. It was kind of a very obscure app that I hadn't heard of before. Um, yeah. But you can buy it through Amazon for your Kindle. Uh, oh, okay. So if you have a Kindle app, you can watch – you can read it that way, which is how I read it. Um, yeah. But there are already four issues in, and yeah. I so I I got issue one and number two, uh, or num- issue number <laughs> one of uh, I got number one and number two of each of them. But I've only read issue number one of each of them so far. Um, the art is really good. Uh, cool. The story is really good. Uh, it's more modern day. Um, I do have some complaints when it comes to Knight Rider a bit. Um, I will say, uh, it's still Michael Knight. Uh, yeah. he is getting, he gets missions from this guy, Bishop, uh, who they interact through like text messages, yeah. uh, which makes sense. You have a knight and a bishop. Um, <laughs> Kit is a little bit different looking, but he, he looks close enough to the original that I'm totally fine with that. Right. But here's the big issue. He's not called Kit. <laughs> what? He's called Horse. 
That's stupid. Because every knight needs his horse. That's how they refer to it. No, um, that's dumb. And I'm hoping that changes. <laughs> it's got to change. There's no way. Oh, there's um, no way. That, that's so fundamental. I don't know if they just couldn't get the rights. They got the rights to Knight Rider, but they couldn't get the rights to the main kit. I have no idea. Um, oh, but I guess I guess the car had some other name, according to the creator in the in the um, in the comic. There's this woman that he picks up, Doctor uh, Catherine Beecham, that Michael picks up, and he's supposed to be her bodyguard. And um, she's like, he tells her that the car's name is Horse, and she goes, "You renamed my car," and he's like, "It's my car." And uh, so I don't know why it's not called Kit. I will say Kit also does not, and I'm going to keep calling him Kit. I'm never calling him Horse. Yeah, that sounds. (laughs) Um, Kit does also, so far at least, does not have a lot of the sarcastic personality. Uh, yeah. that we saw in the 80s cartoon. So I'm hoping that's going to change too as they go on, or we'll see some of that, I should say, as we go on. Yeah. Um, Michael Knight also uh, had a gun in the issue, which right. seems wrong to me. Um, yeah. Michael never carried a gun, and I need him to talk into his watch. Right. <laughs> he hasn't done that yet, <laughs> but I yeah. need to see that scene where he's talking into his watch. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, there's some things where there's got to be a way to marry the, the new technology with like yeah. the um, iconic visuals of the old show. Yeah. You know, like I understand that you were not going. He's not going to be driving an '80s Firebird around, right. you know, or Trans Am, you know, around. But at the same time, uh, you know, you can certainly have a slick car that looks close enough, like you said, and it is close um, enough. Yeah, it's and he's not going to have a radio watch, but you know, why not have some kind of wristband communicator that does other things too? Well, you know what I mean? So, and to be and to that point, look at what just came out recently. We there is a watch out there that's your phone and has oh, it's true, on it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like an iPod yeah, phone or watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wristband. So, so it'd be perfect if you did something like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, I th- I think you're totally right, especially. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to those guys. Like, I actually know the the Lion Forge guys because <laughs> oh, okay. they're they're based in St. Louis, and my brother Brian um, Atkins, he's he's working in comics, just starting out too, and he's working for them actually. Okay. Um, yeah. So have he was them, one who. Yeah, have them come find out why the hell they're not calling him Kit. And I am. I'm gonna ask them because that's ridiculous. Right. I I was not aware of this, and we need answers. I do that's not. Stupid. <laughs> I do not accept this at all, especially the I, I will not property. stand for it. <laughs> But, you can't. There's, and I don't. I mean, uh, there might be some kind of clause in the licensing rights, and I like, but I just can't imagine. You know, if you get the rights to Knight Rider, that you don't have the rights to the name of the car, because that is so fundamental to the property. Yeah. I would be very surprised if that was the issue. I, it has to be in the story somehow, and I really hope. Have them talk to me, because so. I'll set them straight. Because I was a huge Knight Rider <laughs> fan, and I also need yeah. the car to be sarcastic. It needs to. It needs to talk to Michael, not just respond to what Michael says. It needs to mouth yeah. off to him and everything, like Kit always did. Yeah, I yeah, I know the editor of the back to that book. I'm gonna have to give him a call. And then uh, Airwolf, uh, it's a different style hel- helicopter, uh, right? And it's all black, which that's the only thing I would probably change with that title is I would I want that silver bottom that Airwolf yeah. always had. You can have the black on top and the silver bottom underneath. That's what I need. <laughs> you can put any type of helicopter you want, but you can't call it Airwolf unless it has the black and the silver. Um, right. But it does have uh, Dominic Hawk or Dominic and Hawk are are the pilots, uh, and then they have the the old guy with the mustache that's known as Archangel. Uh, 
I don't know if you remember much of the show or not, but not just some of the visuals. I was more into Knight Rider than yeah, that one. I loved Airwolf. Um, I liked yeah. Blue Thunder, but I loved Airwolf. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's basically these. The, I mean, both of these comics too open up with like two pages where it's like these six sideways panels that remind me so much of the introduction of the TV shows where oh, you, cool. you would just see like the car doing cool things or the helicopter yeah. doing cool things, like blowing up stuff and everything. Yeah. Just flying by real fast. Yeah, and... It's just these action, little action panels. And it just so reminds you of the opening of the, the TV shows. So you, you have uh, the airwolf copter, like taking on these huge, like Russian style mounted gun helicopters uh-huh. and just takes them out with an EMP blast. And uh, they land back at base, and there's this guy, Mason, who evidently there's some history behind this character that maybe he turned traitor or something like that. But he takes over the airwolf copter and mm. and flies off with the designer, whose name is Granger. And uh, so it was a cool action comic. I really liked uh, that one a lot, um, because, and maybe because there wasn't as much. I didn't feel like there was as much changed with that one. Yeah, um, as there was with Knight Rider. So, but I did like so, I did like both of them. I did like both of them a lot, and I'm looking forward to reading more of them. Um, I know that Lion Forge also mentioned doing a Miami Vice one. Yeah, yeah, they have the rights for that too. Yeah, and, and that yeah. one's not out yet. But I know that with that one, they specifically said in an interview that that one is going to take place in the 80s. Yeah, it's got because to. <laughs> it has to, and that's what they said. They said the movie that came out was nice and good, but it just doesn't have the same feel unless it takes place in the eighties. So. Yeah, you've got to have that nice flowing mullet with the right. t-shirt and sports jacket on. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I'll definitely let the editor know. I'll say Ryan needs his snarky cars and shiny bottoms. Right, and it needs to be named Kit. That's what Ryan wants. <laughs> right, and it needs to be named it, Kit. It needs to be named Kit. If okay. they want me as a consultant, I'll do it for free. <laughs> I'm, I just want to see it done right. That's my issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I did, so I didn't know. Actually, I knew they had the right the the property, but like you, I didn't know it was out yet. So I'll have to check them out. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention? Uh, how are we doing on time? Are we about done? Yeah, we're getting close. I mean, if you want to do just some quick quick hits, I have yeah, a sure. Quick hits. So <clears throat> cool. Yeah, um, I've been uh, another a book I'm really into um, that at times can get extremely violent is. Uh, invincible okay have you have you followed that series i have the hardcovers and i've read the first and second hardcover which is takes me up to maybe like 20 some issues into the series yeah and it's like uh 108 just came out yeah and well <laughs> and i have all of them <laughs> yeah uh-huh. i think the trade or the big books go up to what the seventh or eighth volume right yeah eighth volume yep and um and that's one thing about invincible i wish those came out a little faster, yeah. but, um, anyway, yeah. So I was just picking up the big, the big books, but then I was just so far behind. Right. And I just, it's a story I've always enjoyed. And I really like, uh, uh Ryan's a good friend of mine who, who's the artist on the book and he's, uh, he does a fantastic job. He picked up with like issue, I think 11. Yeah. And he's been the artist ever since. Yeah. I mean, he's done almost a hundred issues himself, which is just amazing that this book comes out monthly and he's yeah. always on top of it. Um, so, I mean, if, 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 if you're not following the book or if you've never read it, um, really picking up the hardcover is, um, is the best route as far as like the format of the book. It's nice and oversized. It reads well. You get probably the most bang for your buck, especially if you order it through like in stock trades or something. That's, that's why I did it. It was because I was late to the game and I was like, 
well, I might as well, I've heard this is awesome. I might as well go ahead and yeah. get in hardcovers. <laughs> and that's the best way to collect it. Then you're, you're picking up eight books right now, as opposed to like, you know, there's two, two trades per book. So you'd be looking at 16 trades. Yeah. Um, but really, uh, it's, it's a great superhero story. Yeah. Um, it's a little more, as the series goes, it gets a little more mature and a little more serious, uh, as far as the, the drama and of course, like the violence, I think in that book, is one of the few uh, books where if if superheroes with like Superman level powers were actually punching each other, it really shows you what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's but the the thing is the way it's drawn is so open. The line art is so open, and I don't want to say cartoony. I just mean like it's not a lot of you know, Brian Hitch rendering. You know, yeah, it's just nice and open. And when so somebody's head gets punched in. Uh, you just see a lot of like red blood, but it's not so gory that it, you know, is disgusting to look at or anything. Yeah. So, um, that was my my only the only thing I don't like about the book is how how ultra violent it can get, even yeah. though it is isn't so. Um, it's not going to make you bar for anything by seeing it. But the the other man, and I love this book so much. But the last issue, issue one hundred eight, that just came out, um. He has this nemesis of a villain who can um, jump around to different dimensions, and he just wants to kill Invincible and his family. You know, he just completely hates them, and he'll show up out of the blue and attack his family. Uh, it's kind of like if you know, if Spider-Man, who's always trying to protect his family and that kind of stuff. Yeah. If he had a villain that just at a moment's notice can show up, kill his family, like. So Invincible hates having that hang over him. So he's actually actively trying to go find this guy and take him out. Um, and at the end of this this most recent issue, um, a bunch of stuff goes bad. <laughs> and Invincible basically gets betrayed by somebody he trusts. I don't want to give too much away. Mm-hmm. But, but right at the end, of it, he's left in another dimension without a way to get back. And... Um, and he's really screwed. And at the end of it, he just yells, holy F. <laughs> and I was like, what? Whoa. <laughs> like, just drops an F-bomb. That's the only dialogue on the whole page. It's a big splash page of him just, you know, beat to crap and surrounded by this carnage and stuck in this dimension. And like, okay, I get his frustration. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, you know, to me... I just think I just think it was unfortunate. Like I just don't want to. I don't want to read that in my comics. Like I, some people might not care, but uh, for me, especially to go 108 issues without there being any swearing in your comics, yeah, and then to drop an f bomb is just completely out of left field. So kind of throws you off there. Yeah, I was disappointed in that, but I mean, really, the series as a whole is a fantastic series, and it's certainly worth reading. It's a very great story, and the art is very consistent and good all throughout. Cool. Uh, well, I have two quick hits here. Uh, one is a title out there from Image called, uh, and it's part of their Shadow Line, so along with what you're talking about, this is not for the kiddies to be reading. Right. <laughs> um, it's called, it's Rat Queens. Huh. Uh, it's uh, There's four issues out so far. I've read issues one and number two. Uh, and it's the... Uh, it's got a cute little title, which is why I say make sure that kids don't read this one um, because they'd be like, oh, Rat Queens, that's cute. Here, here, Timmy, <laughs> read this. 
Yeah. And next thing you know, he's got F-bombs and everything else being dropped left and right. But it's uh, it takes place in a medieval-type time period. And there's these four women uh, who are kind of like mercenaries. And they're the Rat Queens. That's what they call themselves. And, like, one is, uh, is a little dwarf miniature-type uh, girl. And then there's, like, a mystic. And then there's, like, a paladin-type character. And then there's like almost this like voodoo shaman type character. Um, uh-huh. And they work really well together as a team. And uh, they find out that, and there's other teams also that work as mercenaries out of this one town. And one of the, uh, what they start finding out at the beginning of the story is that there's this assassin that's actually out there to kill them. Uh, and he's, Dressed, he dressed very much like a ninja, and he's he's like all in black, and he has these mystic like weapons that he he takes out most of these teams with, and the Rat Queens bar- barely survive him, and they actually kill him. But then all of a sudden they find out there's another one that takes out some of the other teams. So like this guy keeps popping up, and we don't know if it's the same guy or if it's just a bunch of minions that were sent out. Um, but like I said, I'm only two issues into it so far, but. Uh, I I picked it up because I was listening to Pop Culture uh, Leftovers podcast, and they were managing how much they really liked it. And I was like, I saw it at the store, and I was like, all right, I'll give this one a, a shot. I picked up the first issue, really liked it, and went back to the store and picked up the other three issues. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it's just, again, if you like fantasy and stuff like that and you don't mind adult content, uh because it, there's definitely a lot of swearing and innuendo said and everything else in it, um, then it's definitely a book worth picking up. So, um, and they, and cool. by the end of issue number two, they they partied hard from surviving, and uh, to the point where they're all hung over the next day. So, uh, <laughs> the other comic I wanted to mention was uh, Green Arrow. Uh, number 26 and 27, and this is oh, yeah. the Outsider's War storyline. Uh, and I'll tell you, ever since Jeff Lemire took over this title, it is one of my favorite DC titles right now. See, I, I was going to say, it didn't really start strong, and so I kind of, as much as I loved Green Arrow, I actually loved the character, but yeah. I hadn't been following it. So at what point did it kind of pick back up? Uh, issue number 17, I want to say, is when Lemire first jumped on. Okay. And you don't have to, you really do not have to have read anything before it. Uh, right. I read the first five issues of Green Arrow and dropped it because I could not stand it. And like you said, I'm a big fan of the character. Yeah. Um, so then when I heard Lemire was coming on and they said it was a good jumping on point, sometimes I'm a sucker for when they say that. Um, I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And I brought it up and I picked it up and I absolutely love it. Um, it's got art is by Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, and the art reminds me a little bit of the art that's on the Hawkeye series. A um, mm-hmm. little bit more gritty and a little bit yeah. more, um, um, maybe even a little bit more action-oriented than the Hawkeye series, but kind of similar stylistic approach. Yeah. Um, but this is pretty awesome. It's the Outsider's War, and it's there's seven clans of weaponers, and... Uh, we only know of five of them so far. At least I only remember them revealing five of the clans so far. There's an Arrow clan, which obviously Ollie is becoming involved with. Right. Um, and he finds out that his dad was involved with it. Uh-huh. Um, there's a Shield clan, a Spear clan, a Sword clan, which Katana is actually a part of the Sword clan. 
Oh, cool. And yeah. she's so I think the next issue or issue after, uh, actually in issue 27, she is shown in there and, she, and it's revealed that she's part of the sword clan. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then there's an axe clan. Uh, so I don't know what the other two clans are, but that's at least five of them there for you. Um, mm. And he's already faced off against the axe clan and the shield clan. Um, so that's pretty cool. And if you're a fan of the show Arrow, yeah, there's the character Diggle actually appears in this Green Arrow title now. Oh, that's pretty cool. And it's kind of cool how they introduce them because, yes, if you like the show Arrow, you will probably like this comic. And if you like this comic, you'll probably like the show Arrow because right. they're kind of similar to each other. But I will say that I think that both have their own voice. Um, in fact, if anything, I think maybe the Green Arrow comic is a little bit more intense than the show, right. the Arrow show is. And I think the Arrow show is pretty intense. So Yeah. Um, yes. But I love it. So, um, But, yeah, they introduced the character Diggle. And uh, that was really, really cool how they did that. So um, so I highly recommend the the Green Arrow title. Uh, like I said, you can probably pick up the first trade of Lemire's run. It's probably already out there. Yeah, I'll definitely look up look that up because, yeah, that'd be cool. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, that's all I had. Did you have anything else you wanted to? Uh... No, I, I think I'm good. I think considering time, I think I'm good. Okay. We could, you know, next time we do an ammo dump, there's a couple of JLA movies I want to spotlight. Okay. We can wait till we both watch them. Yeah, then. cool. Yeah, there was a JLA uh, War, which uh, yeah, just came is out. the first new 52. And then there's a JLA Tit. Um, <laughs> what? What? I didn't. T- Tra- trapped in time. Yeah. Trapped yeah. in time. Tit. Okay. Yeah. I. <laughs> So next time Robert wants to talk about the JLA's tits. Um. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> I watch it over and over again. Like it's on a running loop in my studio. Right. When when I <laughs> when I saw the title, I was like, did they really think this one out? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, just for those of you that want uh to check it out, uh JLA Trapped in Time is uh it was actually part of a hush campaign, which I think is one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard. Um yeah, I don't get the benefit to that at all. I don't either. But basically, it was only at the Target stores. That's the only place that had it. It was an exclusive. So I'm fine with exclusives, even though those yeah. are annoying sometimes too. But I'm fine with it being an exclusive. But they didn't really promote it at all. And it it's out right now. Uh, it's supposed to be for a limited time. I don't know what that means. I don't know if they mean there's, you know, once they're done selling the ones they have, that's it. Or if it, yeah. or if it means that they are actually going to cut off at a certain date and you're not going to be able to buy it anymore. Um, but they said it was going to be a limited time. Uh, and it's only at target. Uh, but without, again, I haven't watched it yet. Robert, I think you have watched it. My, in yeah. my thought on it from seeing it is it, it looks like it's a little bit of the DC animated universe that we're familiar with. And maybe even a little bit of the, uh, super friends that we, a lot of us grew up with. It seems like they blend those two worlds a little bit together, at least from what I could tell. Good. Yeah, it definitely has a, a Super Friends, um, maybe as like an inspiration to the show, yeah. but, um, and then like in the special features, there's like a couple episodes of Super Friends, oh. you know, where, so you can tell it's at least tied together. I was going to say, as well, far it as looks the like ins- they wanted. it was inspired by that, is kind of. Yeah, I mean, the Legion of Doom is very much based on like the headquarters that was in the old show, you know, like in the swamp, that kind of. Darth Vader looking helmet, cool. you know, base, and then, you know, Hall of Justice and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, it definitely has a modern take. I mean, you've got like Cyborg and yeah, and that kind of stuff. Um, 
I don't know. My, I mean, my son, my son watched it with me, and they and he really liked it. Um, it's not as uh, mature or as intense as some of the more recent ones, like Justice League War or Flashpoint. Those are really intense. Yeah. Um, I so I think Flash, they, but... I think they kind of wanted to put one out that was a little more family friendly. Yeah. I, um, and I'm glad they did that oh, because yeah. I feel, I feel bad that I can't let my seven year old watch Flashpoint or War because I mean they're intense. Yeah. They'll, they're intense and they cuss up a storm in both of them. I yeah. was surprised, but um, I understand. I mean, it's PG-13, so it has just as much cussing as a PG-13 movie. Right. Right. And or just as much uh, intensity or violence. Sure. So, I mean, that that comes with it. And I think it's cool. Like, sure. I think it's awesome. Um, but it's definitely not for for your kids. Yeah. That younger audience. Yeah. Which I think is kind of too bad. But um, yeah. anyway, no. Yeah. I want you to watch it because there's a lot of typically I can watch a lot of movies and i'm really easy going like i like everything you know just about everything i'm not very critical about right. say going to a superhero movie or anything like that right um but there were some definite things that really stood, stu- out. stood out to me in the justice league war that i want you to watch it and yeah. we can talk about yeah it, i'll so. definitely i'll definitely watch it and we'll talk about that next uh next time we do uh one of these episodes so cool sounds good all right awesome uh, well, with that, let me go ahead and give our information out. Uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at the forumforgeeks.com where you can uh, chat with us every day. You can find us on Facebook. We have a fan page, which is the one I'd probably recommend following because that's where the most activity is going on. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. It's at Starjoes Podcast. You can send us an email. It's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can call us and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, J-O-E-S, uh, otherwise known as 440-941-5637. I'm looking at a phone right now to figure out what those letters spell out in numbers. Um, so, and then Rob, did you just go in slow-mo all of a sudden? It's like, I'm trying to read my phone. (laughs) Um, and and don't worry, that'll be audited out too, so it sounds seamless. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert, how can they find you? I was say first, let's. Uh, you should talk about the, all the other podcasts you're doing since me and Chuck aren't <laughs> giving you enough love. Like you've been going around recording everywhere else. Yeah, uh, I was on uh, Geekcast Radio Network. Did, has uh, the pull bag, and they yeah. did they do origin episodes which is where they bring someone on that they either know or someone that is part of the podcast community on there and or pesters them a lot yeah exactly <laughs> no they reached out to me <laughs> oh okay um and they because they want to get chuck on as well uh and right. i'm sure they would like to have you on as well but they kind of go into uh, they went into my comic history as far as like cool. uh, where I what I started with and what I like and things like that. So um, it's a nice like forty five minute episode, uh-huh. uh, and then they had me come back on. Right, it's like a Ryan declassified without the awkward question. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then they had me back on for an episode right after that. So there was two episodes back to back that I appeared on. Uh, and it was, uh, the pull bag again. And if you type in the pull bag on iTunes, you'll find it. Um, right. what, what episode numbers were those again? I don't remember. All right. Don't question me on these things. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just called, uh, so it's called the pull bag origin star Joe's Ryan. There's not like a number attached to that okay. one. And, uh, and then the next one too, you're on. And then the next one, it's called the Pull Bag After Dark DC Comics: The New Fifty Two Then and Now. It's a two. We look back at the past two years 
of uh, the new 52. Cool. So if you if you're actually looking, it's like the eighth and ninth one down right now. Um, Sweet. So, and what we did on that one is we again we just talked about the DC 52, and the thing is that Mike uh, and Steve, who host that show, they for the most part had only been reading Batman, and that's and the Batman related characters for the most part. They really hadn't been reading a lot of the other 52 stuff. Um, so I was kind of on there as the guy that's been reading a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, you've been really following along. Yeah, and uh, and kind of letting them know kind of what's out there and everything else. And uh, admittedly, so they're kind of they they were kind of down on the fifty two, and and I'm kind of the guy that's coming in there going, "No, you're reading the wrong stuff." Then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I agree. There is some very there's a lot of quality stuff out there right yeah. now with fifty two. So yeah, so. Um, so I mentioned some titles in that episode and everything else. And, and much like our episode, they did most of the talking. Uh, <laughs> but it's because I had the most to say, uh, obviously, since they weren't reading all of it. And I was yeah. a lot of it. So, um, And uh, I also appeared a while back. And don't even bother asking me what episode it was because I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, there's Earth Mighty, Earth's Mightiest Podcasts out there. And they do a yeah. spin-off X-Men one. Yeah. And they had me on for an X-Men one that that would have been months ago. It would have been f- maybe four months ago. Yeah, I just started listening to that podcast because uh, from your recommendation. Yeah. So, and uh, kind of start. I just started out from the beginning on the EMX one. Have you gotten up to my episode yet? No, I think I've listened <laughs> to the first three. So, I, I mean, there's like a dozen yeah. out or something like I that. I think it's episode, the one I was on, I think it was episode seven, uh, okay. six or seven, uh, somewhere around there. Um, but I was on with them because I'm an X-Men fan. And uh, yeah. they basically cover the issues every month and uh, and give a rating and talk about what they like, what they didn't like. So so that was a lot of fun, too. Uh, outside, of, I think those are the only show, other shows I've been on so far, but I'm, I'm working on some other ones. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I love how was, uh, on the forum Sandman was like, Ryan's the Wolverine of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I have to be. I have to I have to get my uh, recording fix on. I was on an episode <laughs> of DC Noise recently because <laughs> Mike and Keith or Mike had to bail and Keith and Daryl were going to do a show, but then Keith couldn't do it either because of the storms that were happening at that time. And that was just a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So, so yeah. Daryl didn't want to do just a show with me, um, which is fine, Daryl. Uh, <laughs> but he, he wanted me to be there because he said he couldn't handle Keith on his own because Keith talks in riddles. And oh, yeah. he knows Especially those, if he starts drinking. Yeah, and so he knows that I'm used to having to deal with someone that talks in <laughs> uh, And that's not directed at Robert. That's directed at Chuck. Uh, <laughs> so, because uh, we get these cryptic text messages from our co-hosts. Uh, yeah. He gets them from Keith and I get them from Chuck. And then Daryl and I commiserate on the, the cryptic crypt right. messages. And then Chuck and Keith high-five. Right. That's basically how it goes. Exactly. So, um. So yeah, so I, I might be popping up at some other places too down the line. So, uh, but maybe not as much now that there'll be a regular Star Joe's episodes coming out. So, so now where can they find you, Robert? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, same old places. I'm at uh, robertatkinsart.blogspot.com, um, which I infrequently update, and uh, you can also catch me on Facebook at Robert Atkins Art. Uh, which I'm updating a lot more regularly recently because of the battleground stuff. I'm having a lot of fun doing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then on Twitter, uh, it's always kind of hit or miss when I'm on there, but it's at Robert Atkins Art. 
Um, and typically, if you if you want to ever want to get a hold of me, the best way to do that is just to email me directly in my my emails on my blog. But it's Robert at Robert Atkins Art. Cool. Uh, well, with that, we'll go. Ahead. This episode's gone plenty long, so <laughs> with that, we'll go ahead and say the force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. You ready for business? Just as soon as you can get me out of here, I have been poked, prodded, and violated.